Hey, Anna, remember that time America's first female millionaire was a black woman? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all of their favorite moments in history. Hello. Hi, it's Black History Month. Yeah. When this comes out. Not when we're recording it, but but when it comes out, it shall be Black History Month. So we're going to be celebrating Black History this month on our podcast. Yes. Um, starting this week with Madam C.J. Walker, who yes. is a fascinating woman. It's a great one. Um, but before we get into it, do you want a drink update? Of course. I'm having some red wine. And full disclosure, I'm already a glass in because oh, we're recording. It's a slightly later recording for us. Yeah, we're recording later into the evening than usual. So, and I'm 28. So, um, if I've already had one glass of wine, like, woof, here we go. <laughs> so, strap in. I'm drinking water. <laughs> so, just same old, same old. <laughs> All right. Before we begin, I have what could potentially be a new um, segment. Yes. Okay, great. I'm very excited. Um, I'd like to call this historical updates. Okay. Because... I read a very interesting article earlier today about the Dyatlov Pass incident. Okay. Okay. So this is a revisiting. Yes. Okay. Just, got just it. Just a little, just a little interesting tidbit that I read about this that that some people may might think might change the game. I okay. don't, but I do find it fascinating. So. Okay, so for those of you who may be listening for the first time, we have done an episode about the Dyatlov Pass, which is why Amanda is calling this, what did you say, historical update? A historical update. Um, so this could potentially be a new segment where we talk about new aspects of old topics that we've already done. Yes. Yep. Okay, that's good. That's little refresher. Good. So here's here's mine. What so- about, what about, sorry, just can I make a quick proposal for the title? Yes. What about History Revisited? Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah, we'll think great. on it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, here's here's what I have for you. So if you haven't listened to that episode, the Dyatlov Pass incident is uh, an occasion where a group of Russian hikers- <laughs> I've never um, heard it called an occasion before. I didn't know how else to describe it at that <laughs> exact moment, um, where a group of Russian hikers- uh, were found dead very mysteriously. They had strange injuries and their bodies were all spread out. Nobody really knows what happened. And it's there's a lot. Lots, there's lots and lots and lots of theories. And this article I read today from Nat Geo, um, this guy thinks that he solved it, but the way that he thinks that he solved it is what is interesting to me. Because okay. he thinks it was an avalanche, which I don't think it was an avalanche, and no one will ever convince me of that. However, <laughs> this guy... Um, What's his name? Do you remember? I don't remember. Okay. But there's a, if you, it came out like literally just a couple of days ago. So if you look up National Geographic, um, Dyatlov Pass it. incident, you'll probably find it because it's like a really recent article. Anyway, this guy, um, was watching the movie Frozen 
and was so intrigued by how realistic the snow was and how it moved that he wanted to know more about the program of how the snow moved. This is a guy who's like studied the Dyatlov Pass incident. Mm -hmm. So he contacted the Disney animators and got their technology because their technology that they used to animate the snow was so accurate to how actual snow moves that he used their animation technology to simulate an avalanche that could have caused the injuries that the hikers had. Huh. Isn't that incredible? That's so interesting. Because uh, one of the big problems people had was I, I we people didn't think that an avalanche could have caused the injuries right. that their, they had. Their bodies weren't totally buried. They there were weird injuries, like one of them's what tongue was missing or something. Exactly. Like, and so there are still bits and pieces of the mystery that I don't think could have been an avalanche. I well, I still don't think that. But I think it's so cool that this guy used that technology. That's why to create a simulation that could explain why some of those injuries were so severe because he could figure out how the ice could have hit them to cause those injuries that's so interesting isn't that incredible well and also technology i just need to say i can't be unconvinced that it was an avalanche but i I am unconvinced that it was only an avalanche. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Is what I'll say. But that's really, really interesting. And I'll definitely have to read the article. I I looked it up. It was something like, has science solved the Dyatlov Pass? Right. But it's it's just the cool... I, I love that this person who is interesting in this event was watching the movie Frozen. That's really interesting. And went, hold on a second. That really is how snow acts. I wonder if I could use that technology to yeah. simulate an avalanche. Disney does it again. Finally. Yes, technology is incredible. That's anyway, really interesting. I thought that was so cool and I couldn't not share it. Yeah, <laughs> I like this segment. So here's what I'm going to say. Um, obviously, I keep an eye out for new information on certain things, but like, uh, listeners, if you come across something that you're like, this is an interesting update to one of your topics, send it our Oh, yes, absolutely. Because um, I like this segment. Yeah. Yeah, if you find something cool and interesting that might um, change the game on something we've talked about before. This is, mine was a unique situation wherein this is an It was an event. Event. Yeah. So, of course, every now and then there will be new theories, but this is the one that I have found most interesting. But, recently. you know, if you, if you find out, if you find someone has solved Jack the Ripper again. Or um, Amelia Earhart. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> send it our way. Yes, that was absolutely. a good segment, Amanda. I liked it. Thank you. you. Thank you. Now you know that now you have to think of a theme song. And that's do on I? you. Do I? Because we don't do a theme song for autofill. Yeah, but that's not really a segment I'll so much as just like a thing we do sometimes. That's true. I'll brainstorm. All right. All right. In the meantime, let's talk about Madam C.J. Walker. Yes, please. All right. So Madam C.J. Walker is born Sarah Breedlove. Um, because we'll get into it later, but that <laughs> full name is not her given name, obviously. Right. Um, so Sarah Breedlove is born on December 23rd, 1867, on a plantation in Delta, Louisiana, to Owen and Minerva Breedlove. What wonderful names, this whole right? family. Very, she... um, like, cinematic. Yes, they are. I think that... Minerva is always going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic name. Anyway. 
Uh, she's the youngest of six children, and she is the first in her family to be born into freedom after mm-hmm. the Emancipation Proclamation is signed. So the rest of her family had been slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a ton of information on her very early childhood, but we know it was very difficult. Well, uh, yeah. Obviously, but, you know, other than the given reasons for it being sure. difficult, her mother dies in 1872, probably from cholera, because it had been a problem in the South. Like, in that year, there was a really bad um, outbreak. outbreak. Uh, her father remarries, like, in, within the next year, but dies within the next year Ooh. also. So she loses both of her parents, um, and she's orphaned at the age of seven. Wait, so her father's new wife does not take her in and care for her? I couldn't find any information on that. All uh, The only thing I saw was that he remarried but then died shortly after. Hmm. So I I don't know. Okay. Um, So because she's left, I mean, she has, you know, her siblings, but they're left on their own. So she works in cotton fields for a few years and then moves to Vicksburg, Mississippi to live with her sister, Lavinia and her brother-in-law Jesse Powell. So her sister was the oldest of and her was family, an adult and living. Elsewhere. Well, I don't know how adult she was, but she was. Well, the she oldest. was married and living somewhere else. Yes. Um. Yeah. And then she has four brothers, and then her. Okay. Um. So yeah, she moves with her sister and her brother-in-law. She begins working as a domestic servant. So at least she's out of the cotton fields, but she's still doing servant work. You know. Mm. Um. She will later in her life recount that she only had about three months of formal schooling in her entire life. And those were mostly from Sunday school classes when she's very young. Oh, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. Um, But that's the most education she ever got. In 1882, when she is 14 years old, she marries Moses McWilliams. um, And her marriage was to escape abuse from her brother-in-law. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she gets married very young because she's trying to get out of that house. Wow. Okay. Wow. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot. Her life is fraught. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oof. Um, they have one daughter, Alelia, on June 6, 1885. So she is 17 when she has her daughter. Oof. I just... Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just, every time somebody says something like that, I just like remember what it was like to be that age. And I'm like, oh God. Yeah. I cannot imagine. I was so irresponsible. Imagine. Yeah. But to, to be fair, she had to become very responsible well, very young in her also life. But yeah. more common too. Yes, I, it's, that's true. I, I'm not thinking of it in their context. I just start thinking about my context and like, no, thank you. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. Yes. Uh, her husband dies in 1887, and in 1888, which is the year that Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. was doing mm-hmm. his stuff, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Sarah and Alelia move to St. Louis, where her brothers live and work as barbers. Okay. So I, I, it wasn't super clear to me if she's living with them or but if she's, she's near just, them. She's near them. Yeah. Okay. She moved there to be near her brothers. Sure. She works as a laundress, and she earns $1.50 a day. Oof. Yep. Um, at this time, her goal is to make and save enough money to be able to send her daughter to school because she wants her daughter to get mm-hmm. the education that she didn't get. And she manages to do that. Her daughter goes to public school in St. Yes. Louis. Yes. 
Um, she sings in the choir at the St. Paul African Methodist Episcopal Church. Um, and she's friends with many members of the National Association of Colored Women. So she's starting to make a lot of friends and connections mm-hmm. with other uh, black women in her area. In 1894, she marries John Davis. Um, and I don't really know, a whole. I couldn't find a whole lot about their relationship other than she leaves him in 1903. So they weren't together for very long. Hmm. Um, so I'm not, I like I'm not sure what happened. she decides to leave him though, no matter the reasoning. Yeah, yes. Yes, everything I read did say that she left him. Which she, is maybe because we only have her accounts of things, but also well, I believe that to be true. But yeah, just based on the fact that she's very independent, she's making her own money, you know, mm-hmm. she's. Yeah. yeah. She is trying to become an independent woman. Yeah. It's difficult for her, obviously. Yeah. But that is her that is her goal. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, like many black women in her time, suffers from severe dandruff just because many of the products that were available were very damaging to their scalps because mm-hmm. people did not know how to take care of black hair. Um, and she also has a scalp ailment that causes her to lose a lot of her hair. So she has issues with her hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, she begins learning about hair care through her brothers, because uh, they're barbers. And right. she also starts experimenting with other homemade and store-bought products. Um, I mention this now because this will become very important. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of the whole life. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, she begins working as a commission agent for Annie Malone selling hair care products. Uh, Annie Malone is another uh, very successful black woman. Um, she, I mentioned at the top that um, Sarah was the first female millionaire. Um, we'll talk mm-hmm. more about that later. That claim is a little disputed. It's hard to tell. But Annie Malone is another incredibly successful black woman at this same time and who will later go on to become one of Sarah's biggest competitors. So Right, right. Yeah. Um in 1905, Sarah and Alelia moved to Denver, Colorado and That is she... another beautiful name by the way. Alelia? Yes. Mm-hmm. So pretty. Anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um th- she moves there to continue to be a-, a sales associate for Annie. Okay. Um so that's her job takes her to Denver. Uh, and during this time, Sarah also starts developing her own hair care products and formulas. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a some there is potentially some drama between Annie Ooh. and um, Sarah. I mean, obviously, because she's working she's selling wor- hair yeah. care products and she's, <laughs> and she's developing like, her own products. But I'm gonna figure out how to do it better than you. Yes, I get it. Um, I have not watched it yet, but I fully intend to. There's a Netflix series called uh, Self Made. Which oh, is yes. based on her life. Mm-hmm. Um, Octavia Spencer plays her. Oh, uh, um, and yes. apparently in the show it pits the um, fictionalized version of Annie, who's a different name in the show, I think, as like the the villain the of the baddie. piece. Yeah. Um, th- there's obviously some people who have some problems with the historical accuracy of that show, as there always will be. Well, um, it's when a, making again, historical adaptations. We had this discussion with The Crown. It's a fictional show mm-hmm. about a real-life person. Yeah. It's, it's not a, a documentary. telling. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's, you know, sort of where that energy comes from. But also it's understandable, like we <laughs> yeah, said. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
she's That's trying business, to baby. make That's a break business. in this business. Exactly. Yeah. In 1906, she marries a newspaper man named Charles Joseph Walker. Uh-huh. So this is where she gets her surname. C.J. Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, she decides to start working as an independent hairdresser and to start selling her hair care and other cosmetic products on her own. So she start, decides to start her business. Um, when she starts her business, this is when she starts going by Madam C.J. Walker. Right. Um, for it's a Ms. good it's a Charles good branding yes. it's a good branding name yes it very much is yeah especially for like hair care i could totally see why that it yeah just rolls, and it's just it rolls like off the tongue it's it but it's businessy you know uh-huh. but it, it, yeah i like it but it also has the um sort of energy of like those medicine men kind of you know what i mean yes like it's, that's it's, um, what it is dramatic you yes know? that's exactly what it, is. it sounds like a name you put on the side of a wagon and then that person yes. comes into town to peddle their wares that yes. is exactly what it sounds like. well and i was also reading that the using the term madam um was inspired by frontiers women yeah. and um like french cosmetic uh, business women oh, often sure. used okay. madam. So there's there's a lot of um, choice Moving parts. in yeah. that name. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so that's when she starts going by this name. Um, I'll still probably call her Sarah, but, you know. That's fine. Um, and she starts selling her products door to door, and she starts teaching other black women how to groom and style and care for their own hair. Oh, we love um, her. Her husband is her business partner, and he, because he works in the newspapers, uh, helps her uh-huh. with advertising and promotion. So their their partnership fits really, really well. It took her a few tries, but she finally found the supportive husband she needed. Yes, she yeah. did. Yes, she did. And he's very supportive. Um, yeah. In 1906, Sarah and Charles start to travel through the southern and eastern United States to sell her products and to educate women on hair care. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that she's going and getting out there and selling her products. She's also trying to teach black women how to care for themselves. It's a it's a whole business around yes. like you know, you need these products but you also need to know how to use them and then you can better understand like how to care for yourself in general. Yes. It's like a whole mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Yeah, same. Um, as they are traveling, they leave Alilia in charge of the mail order operation uh, back in Denver because she's getting older now. I so was going to say, how old is she at this point? I wasn't paying attention to how many years it had been. 1906. She was born in, sorry, let me find it, 85. Okay. So, okay. Well, yeah, okay. she's like 20 some at this point. Okay. So, yeah. In 1908, they move to Pittsburgh. hey Um, They open a beauty parlor, and uh, they open the Lelia College to Aww. train hair culturalists. So That's they start sweet. training women how to use the uh, Walker style of, of and hair. How, and I... I assume also how to teach other women how yep. to do it as part. Okay. Yep. Um, hence the culturalist and not just stylist. Exactly. Part of the, the Love term. that. Love yeah. them naming it after their daughter. Well, her mm-hmm. daughter. I love that. 
Yeah. And um, it was like a thing also for all of these women who are competing in this industry industry right now to have the whatever style or whatever method, you know. Right, um, right, of right. Of their own hair care. Hers focuses a lot on um, scalp and hair growth. Because well, sure. That's those what are she struggled with. Particular um, her, yeah. And I'm sure everybody's was different, but that's that's a thing that I noticed when I was reading is that I all assume, of them had their own style. I assume that that is probably um, what really caused it to take hold with people, because my guess from historical context is that a lot of other Black women probably had this similar issues, like you said, uh-huh. with like hair falling out, dandruff, because. Not only was there no hair care for them, but their living conditions were probably very different. Yes. Generally oh, yes. speaking, not something that I not was for reading, everybody. Obviously, something but, that I was reading was talking about how poor diet and and poor living conditions affected totally poor hair and, care. Like it absolutely and the does. Stress on uh-huh. you as a black woman in America at this time. I cannot. Im- I mean, I can't imagine it now in twenty twenty one, but I can't yeah. imagine it then either. So I imagine that. And when you stress. That is heavily affected. Let me tell mm-hmm. you something. It's just a true fact of science and nature. So yeah. I imagine well, and that's also it was why a it's common problem. So important that her whole brand wasn't just selling these products. Right? It's a self care brand. Absolutely. It was. It's, it's America's first self care brand. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. I'm claiming that it was. Yeah, I like. I agree because they there was no there was nothing that taught them that. And it's something that says invest in yourself mm-hmm. and your needs. Yes. Which is not was not common for black folks. Not then. that long after the end of slavery. So right. there was no I mean, precedent at her all. Her siblings like were this. all born into slavery. So exactly. yeah. Yep. That's where we are historically. Yep. Uh in nineteen ten, they move their operation to Indianapolis, and this is where they'll they will stay because at this time Indianapolis was a huge manufacturing center. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just made sense for them to be there if they wanted to start manufacturing. Right. Um, so this is where she establishes the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company. There, they. Have I a live for place. her name being on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know she has done all the work, but that's not always a given. Yes, <laughs> that her name will then be on it. Yes, you know. Um. Later, as they are here in Indianapolis and they build their business, they will end up building a factory, a hair salon. Uh, a beauty school to train her sales agents and a lab to help with more research for Love how that. to better their products. Um, uh, this quote I loved, I okay. felt was important. Uh, in 1912, Walker addressed an annual gathering of the National Negro B- Business League from the convention floor where she declared, quote, I am a woman who came from the cotton fields of the South. From there, I was promoted to the wash tub. From there, I was promoted to the cook kitchen. And from there, I promoted myself into the business of manufacturing hair goods and preparations. I have built my own factory on my own ground. And the following year, she addressed the convention goers from the podium as the keynote speaker. Yes. Isn't that incredible? Oh, she's so successful. (laughs) I just love, I loved that quote, and then I loved the button. Yes. <laughs> that, and the, then the oh, next the year. Oh, the energy, yes. 
1913, she establishes an office in Harlem because this is when Harlem is really starting to develop yes. as a black cultural place. Mm-hmm. Um, Alelia moves to Harlem to oversee the business there. Love this. When they make it another businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and this same year, she also travels through Central America and the Caribbean to sell her products. So she's expanding Ugh. outside of the United States. An international success. Oh, it's so good. She's incredible. Uh, at this point, Sarah is selling products all over the country and has developed a huge network of sales associates. Um by 1917, the company claims to have trained about 20,000 women. Wow. Isn't that incredible? That's wild. Um, inspired by the National Association of Colored Women, she organizes her sales associates into local chapters and clubs, which uh, they call the National Beauty Culturalists and Benevolent Association of Madam C.J. Walker Agents. Wow. Okay, Which so later- she clearly didn't name that because she's got a, a better feel for snappy names. I, it later gets I, shortened. I just can't remember what to. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they, they are all organized all over the country, her sales agents. Um, and her training for her sales associates, associates isn't just in sales and in grooming she also teaches them how to budget yes uh, how to start their own businesses and yes. she encourages her employees to become financially independent so she's yes. teaching black women how to become financially independent oh yes i Isn't love her incredible i love this woman i mean i knew a lot of this already but i just love her I get excited <laughs> um she was also a huge philanthropist. Of um, course. Because she had money, so she gave it away. God As bless. you should when you yes. have money. Oh, my God. <sighs> Just let, tear it all down and let black women run the whole thing. Seriously, I'm not kidding. Yeah, that's for real. God. <laughs> Just so, so wonderful. <laughs> oh, okay. So while in Indianapolis, she helps raise funds to establish a branch of the YNCA there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she donates... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I just, really I just had a moment <laughs> where I was thinking about, you know, that scene in the office when um, Michael tells Dwight to go get something and he's like, he gives him his oh, yeah. card and he's like, what's your pin number? And he's like, it's fun to go to the, it's fun to stay at the, and he's like, what, the Holiday Inn? What? <laughs> and he goes, hmm, 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 and does the movements with his arms. And that was the first thing that popped in my head. Sorry. Oh, man. Anyway, anyway, she donates $1,000 to the building fund for that work. YMCA. Um, I just pulled this quote because it mentions many of the other places that she supports. So this says, uh, Wal- Walker also contributed scholarship funds to the Tuskegee, Tuskegee, oh my gosh, Tuskegee <laughs> Institute. Yes. We're just going to keep going. Um, other beneficiaries included Indianapolis's Flanner House and the Bethel African Mes- Methodist Episcopal Church, uh, the Mary McLeod, probably McLeod, McLeod, Bethan's Dayton Education and Industry, Industry, nope. wow. <laughs> wow. It's the end of the week when we're recording this, y'all. It's Industrial <laughs> School. For Negro Girls in Daytona Beach, Florida. Wow. The Palmer Memorial Institute in North Carolina and the 
Haynes Normal and Industrial Institute in Georgia. So lots of industry um, yeah. based organizations. Um, she's also a huge patron of the arts. We love that. Which we love. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1916, she moves to Harlem with her daughter, um, and she leaves most of the day-to-day operations of the company with her team in Indianapolis. Uh, because they have offices in Harlem, she's still able to oversee mm-hmm. a good bit of the business, but she's leaving the She's a little grind. more hands-off. Yeah, she's leaving yeah. the grind of it to other folks. Right. And this is also where she becomes, starts to get more into her phil- philanthropy and, um, her, like, cultural sure. work, you know? In 1917, she commissions Vertner Tandy, who was the first black licensed architect in New York City. Yes. Uh, to design a new house for her. Uh, and the plan is for it to be built in Irving-on-Hudson, which I, the naming Sounds convention so of English. that is so English because yeah. it's New York City in the 1900s, so hello, I love it. Yeah. Um, the Villa Luaro, I believe, um, is how you say that, costs $250,000 to build. Which, in 1917. In 1917. Wow. That's a lot of freaking money. Yeah. Um. She intends for it to be a gathering place for black community leaders and organizers. That's yes. her goal with this house. Um, she becomes much more politically involved after she moves to New York uh, because mm-hmm. she's not doing as much business, so she has the time for it now. Um, she becomes friends with Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois, which, yes. God bless. In 1917, she joins the NAACP. Uh, later in 1919, she donates $5,000 to their anti-lynching efforts, which at the time was the largest gift an individual had ever given to the NAACP. Wow. Isn't that incredible? That's her girl. I love her. Yeah. In July of 1917, a white mob in St. Louis kills 39 black people. Mm Mm-hmm. And she helps to organize and participate in the silent protest parade in New York City. Um, And she was also a part of a group of people who visited the White House to present a petition calling for federal anti-lynching legislation. Yes. Um, I got this quote from MadamCJWalker.com. I love when the people we're researching have a dedicated website. Me too. Um, That website is very interesting. There's lots of good information about her and about her daughter. Um, mm, okay. and about her methods and all kinds of stuff about her. Um, but this quote is from, from that website. Uh, her Madam C.J. Walker Hair Culturists Union of America convention in Philadelphia in 1917 must have been one of the first national meetings of businesswomen in the country. And wow. I read that in a couple different places, that that was like one of the largest meetings for entrepreneurs up to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walker used the gathering not only to reward her agents for their business success, but to encourage their political activism as well. Quote, this is the greatest country under the sun, she told them. But we must not let our love of our country, our patriotic loyalty, cause us to abate one whit in our protest against wrong and injustice. We should protest until the American sense of justice is so aroused that such affairs as the East St. Louis riot will forever be impossible. 
That just made me really sad. I teared up when I read that, that earlier. That just made me so sad because it's just still, still happening. Yeah. I'm getting sad. <laughs> Sorry. I've had, I'm in class two of wine and that was emotional. <laughs> class two of wine and tensions are high right now. Oh. Uh, she's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Walker dies at the age of 51. On May 25th, 1919, from wow, kidney failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alelia becomes the president of the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company after her mother's death. Uh, her personal papers are on display at the Indiana Historical Society in Indianapolis. Uh, her home, the Via Luaro, uh, and mm-hmm. the... Madam Walker Theater Center, which was originally Ooh. her company's headquarters, which got changed into a theater center, mm-hmm. are both on the National Register of Historic Places. Oh, wow. Which is super cool. Um, I just thought this fact was super interesting. Alilia Bundles, her great-great-granddaughter, is her official biographer. Oh, wow. Isn't that super cool? That's cool. So the book that that TV series is based off of is her biography of right. her, her great-great-grandmother. Wow. Just thought that was cool. Um, and then I just wanted to leave us on another quote from MadamCJWalker.com about the concept of her being the first mm-hmm. female millionaire. millionaire. Uh, Madam Walker is listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the first self-made American woman millionaire who neither inherited her money or married someone who was a millionaire. Mm-hmm. At the time of her death, Madam Walker's estate had an estimated value of six hundred dollars to $700,000, which is equivalent to approximately $8.9 million to $10.4 million wow. in 2020. Uh, the total sales of her company, the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company, during the final year of her life reached more than $500,000, making the value of her company several times that amount. Mm-hmm. The combination of her personal assets, like real estate, furnishings, jewelry, uh, and the value of her business was well over a million dollars, which is equivalent to about $14.9 million in 2020. Wow. So I get where the speculation comes from. Like, yeah. she did not in her lifetime make $1 million of that. But that's not right. really how we define, like, millionaire. a millionaire now. Exactly. Like, if you were to look her up, if she were around now and you looked her up, and it she was would be the a millionaire. Same, her net worth would be millions. Well over a million dollars, yeah. That's wild. But also, she was very close to having a million dollars even without all of that other stuff right Ooh, like, well yeah well her just, company was close to being worth it so yeah exactly um, and there is also some arguments about whether or not she was the first because there were other very successful black women entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who were competing with her who had yeah. made a lot of money like um annie malone when I was reading, was also described as a millionaire. So mm. she also, in her lifetime and in her career, made a million dollars. Wow. Um, it is just the belief that Sarah well, was the first. And it's the self-made aspect that people yes. really, really um, impress upon you. Like they, Yes. Just, that's, yeah. that's what that quote I thought was clarifying well. Self-made American woman millionaire. 
did not inherit did not, her money, or did not marry a millionaire. Yeah. So she made that money. Yeah. She started picking cotton for nothing. Yeah. Earned $1.50 a day and died a millionaire. Amazing. Do you know the first time I learned about Madam C.J. Walker? What was it? It was the Black History Month episode of Sister, Sister. Oh, that's incredible. I, I remember that. Oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about that in a really long time. Well, I mean, I recently rewatched Sister, Sister because it is on Netflix now. And you know, the second that came on Netflix, I was like, yep, I'm on it because I love Sister, Sister. Um, And I, there, TV shows used to do that. I don't know if like teenagers shows still do this, but you know, when I was a kid, Every show that I watched that, especially the ones that starred, uh, like, a black cast, mm-hmm. had a Black History Month episode. Yeah. And because I grew up white and in West Virginia, that was sometimes the most information I ever got on black historical figures. Yes. And I just loved that episode because Jack A played Madam C.J. Walker and she was fabulous because she's fabulous. Um, I totally that forgot was about that until you, remember, until you mentioned her. it. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, I learned that. That's a great episode. Mm-hmm. Tamara dreams about it and she meets all yes. this. And yes, then she co- she convinces Martin Luther King Jr. that he has to go to college. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I hadn't thought about that in a minute. It's a great episode. But that was the first time I was ever introduced to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and many others. And I mean, I that like, wow. obviously was also the first time I was ever introduced to her because I know I watched that when well, I was young. Well, I, you I had Sister it. Sister on all the time. Oh, yeah. I watched Sister Sister all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was Because like, of you. Well, and Disney did, re- was like on syndication, in syndication on Disney or something. So they had it on all the time. Right. Uh, loved it. Loved it. <laughs> um, but anyway, that I just thought that was a fun fact. Yeah. the first time I ever learned about her because I didn't learn about her in school which no, I should have absolutely not but absolutely I didn't not. yeah I mean I'm not gonna say that I learned about zero black people in school because that's not true I just didn't learn enough yeah because it just wasn't taught so yeah. still isn't in most places but yeah shall we do some autofills yeah sure I did uh was Madam C.J. Walker um a slave no she was not no. First in her family. Uh, this one says, was Madam C.J. Walker daughter? Sometimes Google <laughs> can't do it. Was she daughter? Was she daughter? She <laughs> both was daughter and had daughter, so. <laughs> uh, um, married, yes, three times. Three times. A billionaire? Uh, no. No. <laughs> uh, the first black millionaire. No, I do not remember his name, but I know I read it while I was researching. Um, There's a man who was the first black millionaire. Um, This one says cheated on. Um, I I mean, I would guess that that's maybe a plot from the TV show. And that's probably why it's Google. Seems like it's up to speculation. Yeah, it's certainly possible and if not probable. But yeah, Um, can you imagine? I'm sorry. Can you imagine? Cheating, cheating on, on someone and then having them go on to become a millionaire. <laughs> oh, can you That's imagine? Good. Right. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> the first female millionaire in America, at least, or at least she's widely accepted to be. Uh, let's do is Madam C.J. Walker. 
Uh, still alive? No. No. <laughs> uh, that was a long time ago. Daughter still alive? Also no. But her great great granddaughter is. And is she daughter? The Lord's work. <laughs> is but she is daughter? she daughter? Um. Products still available? Ooh. I actually don't know the answer to that question. There was also companies still in business. Interesting. This- says walker's original brand still lives on in 2013 sundial brands the company that owns popular hair care labels whatever purchased madam cj walker's enterprises okay so her business carries on um and then oh i saw another one but i lost it because i was you actually googled the question (laughs) i was curious um oh here's this is my favorite this is okay but i'm is Madam C.J. Walker a true story? <laughs> Is she a true story? <laughs> Are any of us a true story? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That I mean, that's a big question. That's a John Green type of question. <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of is. You know, big yes. overarching question. Wow. Well, that was a great episode. Thanks. I love her so much. Yeah, she's um, amazing. Starting off Black History Month. Yes. I don't know what I'm going to talk about next time because I have like a few ideas, but I keep changing my mind. Yeah. So I don't know yet, but. I almost did Martin Luther King Jr. because I find him fascinating, but it would have taken be long. a lot of work because <laughs> yeah. his life is I think that might be something interesting. We would have to gear up for like a two-parter. Yes, or something. for sure. <laughs> um, so maybe next year. Maybe. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure, but we will be continuing Black History Month. Yes. So it will be something in that arena. Um, if you all have questions or comments or interesting facts about things we've covered before <laughs> you can email us at remember that pod at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter at rtt pod we're also on facebook if you just search the name of the podcast um, and we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast um, if you want to find me on the internet i am at the real anna webb and i'm at acw nerdfighter did it I didn't finish my second glass of wine, so it didn't get too rowdy. (laughs) Also, it was a shorter episode, so there wasn't quite as much time to get too rowdy, I guess. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. All right. Well, we did this one. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, until that next time, remember that time. Mm